Support for this episode of NRay was provided by the Nanny Tax Company. If you employ a nanny, babysitter, caregiver, or housekeeper in your home, you may be required to pay employment taxes. The Nanny Tax Company has expertise in handling the delicate tax requirements for household employers. The service is simple, accurate, and cost-effective so you can save time while staying compliant with the law. For more information, visit www.nannytaxprep.com or call 1-800-747-9820. The views expressed in this podcast are those of the individuals and do not represent IICLE. This episode of Vinray contains content that may be seen as objectionable to some listeners. Listener discretion is advised. According to nameus.gov, each year 600,000 people go missing and 4,400 bodies are recovered. In 1993, Special Agent Charles Parker and other officials were on a hunt for a killer. But more than that, they needed to find out who this woman was in life before she became just another number. Almost immediately, leads came in. February 1st, reporting agent, Sergeant David L. Lee. Name, Donald D. Barfoot, out of Iowa. On February 1st, 1993, reporting agent received information from Marion Police Department Assistant Chief of Police Tom Litton that Marion Veterans Hospital Security Officer Jim Brassel had information regarding a subject who had recently been checked into the Marion Veterans Hospital. Officer Brassel had told Assistant Chief Litton that he, Brassel, believed that the information he had should be passed on to the agencies who were investigating the recovery of a female head in the Rend Lake area. On February 1st, 1993, at approximately 3 p.m., reporting agent telephonically contacted Officer Brassel at the Marion Veterans Hospital Security Office. After Brassel advised that at approximately 8.15 on January 27th, 93, Donald Barfoot had been checked into the Marion VA Hospital. Barfoot had been transported to the Marion VA Hospital by ambulance from St. Mary's Hospital in Centralia, Illinois. When Barfoot was taken into the emergency room at the Veterans Hospital, Barfoot made threats toward the black emergency room physician. Officer Brassel was asked to intervene and during a conversation with Barfoot, Officer Brassel was told that Barfoot had at one time threatened to cut his, Barfoot's daughter's head off and kick it down the street. Officer Brassel said Barfoot was later transferred from the Marion Veterans Hospital to the Jefferson Barracks Hospital in St. Louis. Officer Brassel believed that Barfoot had originally been picked up near Sandoval, Illinois, by a city or county police agency before he was taken to St. Mary's Hospital. Barfoot's vehicle, a white 1990 Dodge Dynasty bearing Iowa registration, redacted, had been transported to the Marion Veterans Hospital by an ambulance attendant. For the protection of hospital personnel, Officer Brassel had removed from the vehicle a fillet knife with a large handle that was in a military-type scabbard. Officer Brassel also said that visible through the windshield of the vehicle was a partially covered hand-drawn map that appeared to be of Interstate 57 in the Salem, Illinois area. On January 27, 1993, Donald D. Barfoot, DOB, Redacted, Iowa, checked into the Veterans Administration Hospital, Marion, Illinois. Barfoot made threats towards the emergency room physician and stated that he, at one time, threatened to cut off his daughter's head and kick it down the street. At approximately 3 p.m. on 2-1-93, the reporting agent telephonically interviewed Dwayne Yeager, chief of police, Spirit Lake, Iowa. The purpose of the interview was to obtain information in reference to Barfoot. 
Yeager stated that he is acquainted with Barfoot. And on March 27, 1990, Barfoot was admitted Redacted. for a period of 60 days. Barfoot has a daughter, Rebecca Suma, who resides in Redacted, and she is alive and well. Barfoot also has a son, Roger, and a daughter, Wanda, who reside in Redacted, and they also are alive and well. Suma advised Jaeger that if Barfoot intended to hurt someone, it would be his daughter, Dawn Gathers. At approximately 1.05 p.m. on February 2nd, 1993, the RA telephonically interviewed Detective Doug Brannon, Sumter Police Department. Brannon contacted Gathers and advised that she, too, is alive and well. February 3rd. Reporting agent, Sergeant David L. Lee, Basil R. Henchy. On February 3rd, 1993, at approximately 1.30 p.m., Basil Henchy telephoned the Marion office of the Illinois State Police and provided information which Mr. Henchy believed could possibly pertain to the recovery of a decapitated female head in the Red Lake area. Mr. Henchy stated that he had not seen his daughter in over a year. A little over a year ago, Henchy had gone to see his daughter in Springfield, Illinois, and found the trailer residence that his daughter had been living in had burned. Henchy gave the following identifiers and last known address for his daughter as follows. Patricia Elaine Ashby. Hair, red shoulder length with dark tints. Eyes, brown. Mr. Henchy said that Patricia did not have any protruding teeth and the only dentist that Henchy was aware of that Patricia may have gone to was an unidentified dentist on South Broadway in St. Louis, Missouri. Henchy was not aware of what type of dental work Patricia would have received. Henchy also advised that Patricia's husband, Jerry Ashby, had died in a Missouri prison in the late 1980s. Henchy said he believed the prison was located on Route 67 in the Potosi, Missouri area. Henchy also advised that Jerry Ashby had been in prison on redacted charges relating to redacted. Basil stated that Patricia had most recently been associated with a white male subject by the name of Wes Fishburne. Wes was described as approximately redacted years of age. Redacted. Pounds. With a mustache and sandy-colored long hair. Henchy believed Fishburne's family may live in the Redacted. Illinois area. Henchy also said that Fishburne was believed to be a construction worker. Henchy further advised that Patricia had a son, Jerry Ashby, who had been a restaurant manager in Springfield, Illinois. Henchy did not know the name of the restaurant that Jerry had managed. Patricia also had a daughter, Dawn, but Henchy did not know if Dawn's last name was still Ashby or if Dawn had married. The last time she knew, Dawn had lived in Redacted. Illinois, but she may have moved to St. Clair, Missouri. It was February 4th when a young woman reported she and a friend had seen something strange one night at Rind Lake. Reporting agent, Sergeant David L. Lee. Name, Ray M. Ehlers. City, state, Illinois. On February 4th, 1993, at approximately 10.30 a.m., Ray Ehlers telephonically contacted the reporting agent at the Marion office of the Illinois State Police Division of Criminal Investigation. Ehlers advised that she had some information that might pertain to the investigation of the female head that was found in the Red Lake area. Ms. Ehlers advised that at approximately 9 p.m. on January 20th, 1993, she and Kim Fields from Redacted. Illinois were returning home from an anatomy and physiology class at Wren Lake College. It was a rainy night. They were driving slowly. As they passed the entrance to the Wayne Fitzgerald State Park on Route 154, a light-colored, possibly white, Chevrolet celebrity 
was parked next to the sign at the Wayne Fitzgerald State Park entrance. Ms. Ehlers said the warning flashers had been activated on the vehicle. Ms. Ehlers could not remember the license plate on the vehicle or the state of issuance. Ms. Ehlers believed someone was outside the vehicle, but could not provide any further information about the person. It was a little over a month later that Sergeant Charles Lamont responded to a report of some unusual graffiti at the Big Wheeler truck stop, about 10 miles north of where Jane Doe's head was found. Location? Big Wheeler truck stop. I-57 and Route 15. Men's restroom. RE, graffiti referring to a serial killer. Approximately 7 p.m. Saturday, March 6th, a cashier at the Big Wheeler, Mr. Rick Schumer, was advised by a truck driver of some very strange writing on the wall in the men's restroom. The writing appeared to have been done with a small black felt marker. The writing was as follows. Serial killer, 393, 19 and counting, five men, 12 women, two children, eight black, eight white, three Hispanic. Don't worry, I'll get to the others. The reporting officer learned the restrooms are cleaned daily and this graffiti probably appeared within a 24 hour period prior to its being reported to the truck stop employee. Leads were coming in left and right for Parker. He was desperately searching for the identity of Jane Doe and her murderer when he received a phone call from Texas Ranger Matt Andrews on March 22nd, 1993. The following is a summary of information received on the morning of 3-22-93 from Matt Andrews, Texas Ranger, Midland, Texas. The information is in reference to the following subject, GK, male. Andrews stated that on or about 2-26-93, GK was stopped by the Texas Highway Patrol and subsequently incarcerated in Monahans, Texas. At the time he was stopped, GK was driving a blue 1985 Chevy Impala, four-door, bearing Illinois registration. Redacted. And was in the company of Bob. D.O.B. Redacted. GK had in his possession a hunting knife, a double-edged dagger, and camouflage clothing. After being incarcerated, GK had a conversation with his cellmate and the cellmate relayed the content of the conversation to Andrews. His cellmate, we will call TLT. TLT gave a voluntary statement on March 24th about conversations he'd had with a fellow inmate. Voluntary statement, state of Texas, county of Ward. Before me, the undersigned authority in and for said state and county on this, the 24th day of March, AD 1993, personally appeared TLT, who, after being by me duly sworn, deposes and says, My name, TLT, and I live at Redacted, Texas. I am currently an inmate in the Ward County Jail in Monahans, Texas. On March 4th, 1993, I was moved from the hospital tank of the Ward County Jail into tank 1B of the Ward County Jail. Tank 1B is a four-man tank and was occupied by three other men, one of which identified himself as GK. GK is a redacted male, approximately redacted tall, and weighing approximately redacted. He has brown, long, curly hair and blue eyes. 
GK almost immediately began talking to me, stating that he had traveled from Indiana to Florida with a man named Bob. GK also stated that they stole some Benzodrex and cooked up some bathtub speed along the way and sold it. GK also stated that they used more of the bathtub speed than they sold and that he had to pawn his Desert Eagle 44 Magnum pistol along the way. GK talked to me every morning and began talking about things that he had done in Indiana and Illinois. On approximately March 10th, 1993, GK told me that he and a guy named Jim had been doing some armed robberies and burglaries in Springfield, Illinois and in that general area, and also spoke of an arson which he had done for a former mayor of Olney, Illinois. GK also told of doing a murder for hire for the owner of a biker bar in Olney in which GK suited up in camouflage clothing, sharkskin gloves, a black mask with only eye holes in it, and used a 308 caliber rifle with a flash suppressor on it. And when the man came out on the front porch, he shot the man with a kill shot. The man was killed because he and the bar owner and the victim had had a bad speed deal. King stated that only two people could hurt him and that now there was only one, and that was the guy named Jim. GK went on to say that a girl knew everything about what GK and the man named Jim's dealings and that she ended up going to Indianapolis with them and later the police had come and talked to her and she was scared and wanted out. GK and Jim then became worried about her and what she knew and decided to do away with her. GK stated that once he had made the decision to kill her, GK and Jim were with her and grabbed her. The girl began struggling and screaming, so GK used his knife and gutted her from the navel upward. Once the girl was dead, they wrapped her in a blanket and took the body out into the country and cut up the body. Parts of the body were thrown into a creek and other parts were scattered in other locations over a couple of miles area. GK also stated that the hands would never be found. Later on, GK asked if I knew anything about dental identification and I told him that they would have to have records from a dentist. GK also told me that he had some clothes with her blood on them in the car and that the clothes were camouflage and shark skin gloves and the black face mask hood. On the way from Florida to Texas, possibly in Georgia, he killed a deer and smeared the blood on the clothes to cover up the girl's blood. GK went on to say that when he got out of jail in Monahans, he was going back to Illinois and silenced his partner. GK also talked about a town in Illinois called Murfreesboro and that he and Jim and the girl had been in and out of Murfreesboro and they had done some burglaries there. GK also stated that he had some relatives in Murfreesboro. GK also stated that this was not the only time that he had killed someone using a knife. GK described the girl as having medium length brown hair and approximately redacted inches tall, approximately redacted years old and had worked as a topless dancer and that she was small breasted. GK also told me that him and Jim and the girl had been to a hillbilly festival in southern Indiana and that a lot of bikers and mountain men came to that festival. GK also stated that he and Jim and some girls were at a trailer park possibly around Murfreesboro or Olney and were doing speed and drinking and doing satanic rituals and killed all of the dogs in the neighborhood as part of the ritual and that a young boy, possibly a runaway, was killed as a part of the ritual. 
The police were called and investigated the dead dogs, and GK stated that this even made the paper, where it was described as a cult. GK stated that the young boy that was killed was blonde-headed and blue-eyed. All the information given in this statement, as told to me by GK, was unsolicited by myself, and GK just told me this information without any questions being asked. I'm giving this statement to Texas Ranger Matt Andrews, and I'm giving it of my own free will. I have not been promised anything in exchange for the statement and have not been coerced or threatened in any way. The information given in this statement is accurate, true, and correct to the best of my knowledge. TLT. On April 1st, Texas Ranger Matt Andrews submitted an investigation report. On March 13, 1993, Reiter interviewed Bob who had been a passenger in the vehicle. Bob advised that he had met GK in the South End Bar in Olney, Illinois. Bob was doing house construction in the Olney area, and GK asked for work as a painter. Bob traveled to visit his brother in Homestead, Florida, and to try to find work. Bob stated that on approximately February 20th, 1993, GK telephoned him from Winter Haven, Florida. Bob agreed to travel to California with GK to try to find work. GK told Brian that he left Illinois because he owed some money and had some unpaid fines. After being arrested and placed in the Ward County Jail, GK told Bob that the police were going to freak out if they saw some clothes in a duffel bag in the car, which had blood on them. Bob stated that GK told him the blood was from a deer he had killed. On March 19, 1993, Ryder interviewed GK's cellmate TLT. TLT stated that GK had told him of a murder in which he claimed involvement. TLT said that GK told him that he had stabbed a girl and then cut up the body and disposed of it where it would never be found. The murder supposedly took place in Illinois and the body disposed of in a rural area with parts of the body being thrown in a creek or river area. TLT also stated that GK had told him of some camouflage pants in his car, which had blood on them from the girl that he killed, but that he had killed a deer and used the deer blood to cover the girl's blood. TLT also stated that GK had told him of a man that he had been hired to kill. GK told TLT that he had waited in the trees and shot a man who was standing on a front porch. GK told TLT that he shot him with a 308 caliber rifle and that he was hired to shoot the man by the owner of a bar in Olney, Illinois. The bar was owned and frequented by a motorcycle gang, and the murder was over a drug deal that went bad. TLT also told of GK bragging about cooking and using methamphetamine, and also of his involvement in burglaries and robberies in the area of Olney, Illinois, Springfield, Illinois, and Indianapolis, Indiana. TLT was returned to a cell advised not to ask GK any questions. On March 19th, 1993, Ryder telephoned the only Illinois Police Department and spoke with Chief of Police Elton Wood. Wood advised that his department had handled GK before, but that they had no report of any such murder, nor was he aware of any missing females from Olney. Wood further advised that he was aware of the bar which Thompson spoke of in Olney and that he would check further on GK and his activities. Wood did state that several runaways had been found staying with GK and Olney. On March 19, 1993, Ryder telephoned the Springfield Police Department and spoke with an unidentified detective in the Homicide Division. 
The detective stated that he had seen a flyer on a girl's head having been found, but that he would have to attempt to find the flyer and find out which agency was conducting the investigation. On March 22, 1993, Ryder received a telephone call from Illinois State Police crime analyst Fran Emery, who stated that she had been notified by Springfield Police of Ryder's inquiry into a possible murder of a white female in the mutilation of the body. Emery stated that Agent Charlie Parker of the Illinois State Police Division of Criminal Investigation was investigating the possible murder of a white female in which only the head had been found. The head was found in Jefferson County, Illinois on January 27, 1993, in a rural area near a lake. Ryder provided Emery with the information which was received from TLT. On March 22, 1993, Ryder telephoned Fairfield, Illinois Police Department and spoke with Sergeant Norman Skaggs. Ryder advised Skaggs of the information which TLT had provided and was advised that the Ward County Sheriff's Department had found three pawn tickets during booking of GK into the jail. Also found was a traffic citation issued to King by Fairfield Police Department. The traffic citation indicated that King had been stopped on December 27, 1992 in Fairfield and ticketed for driving while a license suspended. The pawn tickets showed that GK had pawned two speakers, a jam box, a VCR, and a black and white television at Deals R Us in Fairfield on January 20th, 1993. Also pawned at Deals R Us in Fairfield on 11-7-92 was an 870 riot shotgun with serial number redacted. And on 10-17-92, a Winchester Model 94 30 rifle bearing serial number redacted at Deals R Us. Skaggs advised that Fairfield Police Department had, in fact, ticketed GK on 12-27-92, but showed no other involvement and that he would check on the pawn merchandise. On March 22, 1993, Ryder received a telephone call from Agent Charlie Parker. Ryder advised Parker of TLT's statement of what GK had been telling TLT. Parker advised that he was investigating the possible murder of an unidentified white female. The decapitated head of the female discovered in a rural area of the Wayne Fitzgerald State Park in Jefferson County, Illinois. The victim was believed to be between 15 and 40 years of age with reddish-brown hair and brown eyes. The head had been removed from the body between the fourth and fifth cervical vertebrae with two or more cuts used to remove the head. Parker advised that the victim had shoulder-length reddish-brown hair and other fiber evidence had been found with the head. Fibers included dark blue wool and acrylic fibers, royal blue Ramy fibers, animal fur, and two natural fibers, red and blue in color. On March 23rd, 1993, District Attorney John Stickles aided Ryder in acquiring a search warrant for GK's 1980 Blue Chevrolet Impala four-door bearing Illinois registration. Redacted. The evidentiary search warrant was signed by Ward County Justice of the Peace, Trina Orona, due to the absence of a district judge in Ward County. At approximately 2.25 on March 23, 1993, the search warrant was executed by Ryder and Trooper White. On March 24, 1993, Ryder obtained a written statement from TLT. This statement matched TLT's previous conversation with Ryder, but this time TLT also spoke of a murder performed by GK on a runaway boy during a satanic ritual. GK had also been asking TLT questions about identifying bodies through use of dental records. TLT also described the girl, which GK told of as having been killed by him, as being approximately redacted inches tall medium-length brown hair, and having been employed as a topless dancer. On March 24, 1993, Ryder received from Trooper White two knives, which had been taken as evidence in his original cases against GK. One knife was a double-edged dagger-style boot knife, 
and the other was a silver folding knife with knuckles built into the handle. On March 24, 1993, Ryder interviewed GK with his attorney David Zavada, also present during the interview. GK had requested to speak with Ryder the previous day when he was given a copy of the search warrant and the list of evidence seized. GK denied any involvement in any murder at first, stating that he was just joking with TLT when he told TLT the stories. Later, GK denied having even told TLT anything about any murders. GK stated that he didn't know anyone named Jim, but did state that he often went to the South End Tavern, which was run by Jimmy, Redacted. who was a friend of GK's. GK listed previous girlfriends as Amy Redacted. of Redacted. Illinois and Tamara Redacted. of Redacted. Illinois. When asked about going to topless bars, GK named two topless bars, which he had gone to in Indianapolis, Indiana. One topless bar was named PT Show Club, now called The Real Club, and the other was named Brad's Gold Club on Lafayette Road. GK also denied any involvement with runaways and also denied any satanic involvement. When several discrepancies in GK's story were pointed out to him by Ryder, GK exercised his Fifth Amendment right and terminated the interview. On March 26, 1993, all evidence recovered by Ryder in this investigation have been packaged and shipped to Parker by UPS to be analyzed and compared to evidence in Parker's investigation. On March 26, 1993, Ryder requested Ward County Sheriff's Department obtain photographs, fingerprints, and full hand major case prints from GK. These items were obtained and provided to Ryder. All of the information, over 20 pieces of evidence sent to Charles Parker. Leads started to come together. Someone basically admitted that they murdered someone and chopped up their body. Parker wondered, did he find a piece of the evidence? Something that someone said they hid so well, lying in the briars next to Rand Lake in Wayne Fitzgerald Park. Did he have his man? In the final episode, Special Agent Charles Parker follows the trail left by GK and searches for Jane Doe's identity. Thank you for listening. Please leave a rating or comment on whatever platform you're listening on or email me at nray at iicle.com and let us know what you think of the podcast as it really helps us out. If you would like to learn more about Ickle's products, programs, or publications, please visit iicle.com.